Coming to you from the Yard House in Lone Tree, Colorado, my name is Adam Munster-Tiger, publisher of BuffStampede.com on the Rivals Yahoo Sports Network. I'm pleased to be joined by former Buff linebacker Jordan Dizon, played at CU from 2004 through 2007, ranks fourth all-time at CU with 440 career tackles. Jordan, thanks for joining me here. How is life treating you these days? Pretty good, pretty good. All I, um, currently a firefighter, enjoying myself, enjoying life. Um, enjoy raising my, my little daughter and expecting another one any day now. Yeah, we were talking off the air and, and talking a little bit about your move back here to Colorado. You're originally from Hawaii, of course. What brought you back here to Colorado? Basically, it's my love for the Buffs. I miss them and I miss going to games. I miss going to practice and being part of that family. And uh, I moved back to Hawaii for three years after my stint in the NFL. And ever since I was there, I always felt this, this, this uh, pull back to Colorado just because I wanted to be part of the family. And I've been back here for about nine months, and I'm ready to, to jump back in. Is your, did you meet your wife at CU? Is she from Colorado originally? Yes. So my, my wife is Chelsea. She ran track at CU. So she was a student athlete with me, and we kind of met along those lines. And you're expecting your second daughter any moment now? Any, any moment. We had a false, uh, false call this morning about 1 o'clock. But uh, she's still at home with due dates any day now, so we're excited. So you were an economics uh, major at Colorado. You were uh, twice an all-Big 12 academic selection, a good student. So you, you, you've stopped playing football, and what led you into being a, be a firefighter? What kind of happened between you know your football career ending and coming out here and being a firefighter? Well, I tried the whole corporate world. I uh, was a manager at a hotel back in Hawaii, and it just didn't suit me. I missed the camaraderie. I missed the fellowship of being part of a team. And so I went on a different career path, and I chose to become a firefighter. And I did that in Hawaii for two years, and I absolutely fell in love with it. And coming out here to Colorado, I, uh, I wanted to continue my career as a firefighter, so I got a job at Greeley. And uh, I've been loving every moment of it. I love helping people. I love being part of that team every single day. And, uh, you know, it's something that reminds me of a locker room. And it reminds me of my love for football and love for sports and, and that co and competitive that comes with it. So it's just, it's an awesome job. It suits me. And the corporate world was something I just couldn't get, get a grasp of. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. What are the ways that your football background helps you now be a firefighter? For the most part, when you when you run calls or when you, you're there to help people, emotions run high, anxiety runs high, you know, everything's elevated. And when I look back to sports and I look back to what I went through and what I dealt with as a linebacker and calling calls and, and dealing with things is stress. Um, I'm able to, to control that and keep my anxiety level down and be able to be calm when everyone else expects me to be crazy. And I truly, truly um, think that's straight from football. When I go on calls and there's and there's things that should be driving me crazy, I'm able to, to just be myself and, and keep my thoughts clear. And I for sure think that's back to football. It does seem like a fascinating line of work. You see how firefighters are portrayed in the movies. What? How similar is being a firefighter to kind of the way it's portrayed? Are there some things that maybe the average person doesn't understand about what it takes to be a firefighter? You know, becoming a firefighter, I think, is the hardest part. It took me three years to become, to apply in Colorado and actually become a firefighter. And ever since I was in Hawaii, I was applying and literally it took me three years to the day to become a firefighter. But once you get on the department, there's a lot of training that goes into it. There's not. There's not a lot of downtime. You, you get done with work at seven and you eat your dinner and then you can sleep for the night or for the most part be up all night. So it's, it's a hard gig. We do two days on and four days off and 
and we're away from our families and we're working hard and when we get home we're exhausted but at the same time we don't do it for for any fame or any any money or monetary value whatsoever we do it because we love we love our jobs and we love helping people so that's what we're there for every day and we'll get into a lot of your time at CU and your experience playing for the Bucks. but just going back to your childhood in Hawaii what initially got you into football you know what it's that's funny my my first love was basketball and it, it still is and uh, I actually was I quit football my freshman year of high school to play basketball and I was somewhat forced by my my peers and my and my vice principal of my high school to play football and ever since then I've slowly become a huge fan of football and what it represents and what it makes out of a person and it's not necessarily the game itself it, it's what it, it makes you do it makes you believe in yourself you can do a lot more um, than you think you can and it, it gave me a lot of self-confidence in myself a lot of respect for myself because it's a tough sport day in and day out it's a grind and I did that and now I, I know I can do anything and that's I attribute that to football and everything that comes with it so my love for football didn't start really well but it ended very good now when you got to Colorado I remember there were these stories of you hunting boars in your youth is that all true were you running around with just a knife how, how did you go about doing that yeah we uh, we have a big hunting family back home and we have a bunch of dogs and and all that good stuff and and we do it the natural way we do it with a knife and and dogs and my family still does it to this day i unfortunately couldn't do it anymore it was too much for me i went home and i've been americanized i guess you could see even though hawaii is part of america yeah. i've been americanized and it's it's uh it's tough <laughs> it's tough to do it's tough to become a part of because you're there and you actually you know are ending this pig's life or whatever yeah. it is so it's tough, but I, it's something I definitely did growing up that I can't do anymore. Is that something that helped you when you got into football in terms of being a linebacker? Obviously, there's you have to have instincts to chase down somebody on the football field. You know what, as, as far as that helping me in football, maybe it did. It may, probably made me tougher because you're chasing these pigs for miles on end and you don't quit. Um, so, the, it, it, in instance, it could have helped me. But uh, I, I attribute a lot of my athletic success you know to my past coaches to my past friends my past peers and it's you know having that support and all that stuff is definitely what got me as far as I did your mother is a police officer is yes that correct yes you've been a police officer for about 30 years now so. was she a fan of you getting into football yeah she supported me in whatever I did and I love football and she supported that and uh, or basketball and she supported that and when I joined football, you know, she of course she did the motherly thing. You don't have to do it if you don't want to. But I figured, you know, why not? Why not give it a try? So I did, and she supports me in every which way she could. So, and I appreciate that. A lot of parents who have a kid who's somewhat decent in sports, they push them and force them to do things that they don't want to do. And uh, I had a mom and a dad too, who was there and supporting me with every decision I wanted to do. So. Now you can still Google Jordan Dyson and, and your rival's profile as a recruit still comes up. You're, you're a three-star recruit, but you're listed as a fullback coming out of high school. Did you know where you were going to fit in when you went out to CU? Did, did the coaches at CU even really know where you were going to fit in when they recruited you? No, that's actually, uh, that's actually a funny story. I was actually a fullback slash running back when I went into camp my freshman year. And it was just some funny day. There was an interception. And... I, as a running back, I went and tackled the guy who intercepted the ball, and for some other reason, I guess I must have did a good tackle or, or nailed the guy or did something right, because the next day I was a linebacker. 
So and that's how the whole transition went down. And thank God, because I'm not that fast. And so I'm glad I made the switch. And now Brian Cabral, once he got you, wasn't going to let go of you. I remember your first camp with the Buffs. They come out with the uh, the first depth chart. And there, here's a true freshman at the top of the depth chart the first time. And we're all kind of going, is he tr is Coach Cabral trying to send a message to the other guys? Or is this Jordan Dizon guy really the real deal? What was your recollection of that first camp? Were you surprised at all that you had risen to the depth chart so fast? I was. And I was. And I, and I think he wasn't trying to send a message to anybody else but me. I think the biggest thing I lacked when I first got in there was coming from a small high school, small islands. You know, the biggest thing I lacked was self-confidence. And he put me up there to say, hey, this is who you are and this is what you're going to be. Whether you like it or not, you you, you're this good. And that's what I struggled with. I struggled with when he put me at the top of the depth chart for the first game against CSU. I told him, I'm not ready for this. This is not me. He goes, whether you like it or not, you better be ready because you're starting. And it was a way for him to say, this is it. This is who you are and this is what you're going to be. And I appreciate it to this day because, like I said, I lack that self-confidence. And he knew exactly how to push my buttons. And he knew if, if he, I wasn't going to back down. And I respected him too much to back down. So, you know, if he put me up there, I would have risen to the occasion. So I, he was definitely 100% sending me a message that I was good enough for this. Now, you had two different head coaches at CU, but you were fortunate enough to have Brian Cabral as your position coach throughout your career. Talk a little bit about the type of relationship that you had with him and, and kind of how that developed during your time in Boulder. Uh, yeah, Brian, that's, you know, it's such a, it's, it's such a great, great relationship. He was 100% my dad away from home. He did, he, he did everything for me, whether it was discipline me, whether it was hug me, whether it was a shoulder to cry on, you know, I was so far away from home, and he was there, he was just there for me, and there's more to being a coach than just teaching someone X's and O's, it's being, it's being there for them through the thick and the thin, and having that relationship with them, and understanding what I'm going through, and, and he, he knew that, that's what made him such a great coach, you know, he wasn't, I'll just say it, he wasn't the, the sharpest tool in the shed, but man, he could get a player to play their lights out. And that's your job as a coach because kids can learn, kids can do this, but it, for for a coach to make a player play at his optimum level, mentally and physically, is what I believe a, a true coach is about. And that's what he did. He allowed me, and he made me believe in myself and play to the best of my abilities. And I thank him every day for it because it's still in my blood today as to what he taught me, what he showed me I could do. Did you have to suffer through some homesickness, a, a period of time when you were at CU where it was tough to be so far away from Hawaii? Yeah, oh yeah. You know, it was basically, coming here to college was my first time being away from home and being away from my family and friends. And having that support from Brian, and not only Brian, but from the other linebackers and the other teammates was, was critical in my success. Especially my, my first week there and becoming a linebacker and then becoming a starter, having the the support from Brian and him telling me that I, I'm gonna, I, I can do this and I'm gonna do this, and him being there for me emotionally was just huge, huge. I think that's the biggest thing that's underestimated with him being a coach is that emotional support for players because it's tough. It's tough for a freshman, let alone a, a, a freshman from somewhere far away to, to compete at that level when your mind is not into it. And he was there for me every step of the way. And, I, and man, I thank that guy. He is unbelievable.
you said that you didn't feel like you were ready for that first game against CSU, but obviously Brian Cabral turned out to be right because you win the conference defensive newcomer of the year, you're a second team freshman All-American, you record 82 tackles that, that first season, you kind of made it look easy. What, what was going through your head during that season? Did, did you feel like after you'd made a few plays you were comfortable in that role or was it something that you, you're still kind of working through during that season? I definitely, it was, a, it was a work in progress that season. But my MO was I struggled with, with once I made a mistake, I, I usually went into a hole or, or kind of beat myself up for it. And that was my biggest struggle that season is I hate letting my players down. I hate letting my teammates down and my coaches down. And Brian did a good job by letting me know, say, hey, he would always say, you're good for two mistakes. I'm giving you two mistakes. I'm not going to, you're a free pass. You're good to go. And after those two mistakes, I'll correct you. But he, he made me more relaxed. He made me show that, or he made me believe that it's okay for me to make a mistake. And, and life goes on, game goes on. But just to overcome that was, was hard for me. And he definitely simplified it and made me, made me you know, that it's, it's okay to mess up. Everyone's going to mess up. But that first year was definitely work in progress. And like I said, my biggest thing was I hate to fail. I hate to fail myself and my teammates. And, and, but I made it work. We made it work. It was a good first year. Did any players, any upperclassmen take you kind of under their wing that first year at CU? Oh, yeah. You know, it's and there was this one guy named Akarika Don, and that is Washington. And Akarika Don, he was he was a starter. He was their their guy. And I, and then I came in from Hawaii and out of nowhere took his job. And boy, if that was me or something happened like that to me, I would be not mad, but I would be frustrated. And boy, did he step into that role of being a big brother, or he stepped into that role and and helped me in everything I needed to do. And it, it, it made me so much more comfortable because it, sometimes there's animosity and there's frustration between teammates and players when you're who's the second team, who's the first team. And for him to, to, to stand up and be a man about it and, and take it and, and is unbelievable, just unbelievable. We had such a great core of, of linebackers, not only in my first year but throughout my career. And, again, it comes back to our coach, Brian Cabral, man. He did, he did a great job of making us a great group of guys. So you didn't really have a, a sophomore slump. You were named honorable mention all Big 12 your, your sophomore season, but you had 21 less tackles that season as you did a freshman year. Did anything kind of change there? Or was it just kind of the scheme where your numbers dipped uh, for that sophomore season? Uh, yeah, there wasn't really much of a dip in productivity or anything. I just played a different role in the team. You know, I I moved. We moved the defense around a little bit, and we put uh, different personnel on the field. And I was more of a backside pursuit guy in my second year. And it's just it's one of those things that you don't get the opportunity to make the tackle or or you're just your 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 responsibility is if something happens in the back of the defense. So in essence I was doing my job because I didn't have that much tackles or everybody else was doing their job because I didn't have that much tackles. But as far as productivity and as far as um, having a rough year or sophomore slump, I don't think so whatsoever. You know, every year, whether it was a sophomore slump or whether it wasn't whether it's good or bad or whether you had a tough time or not, I, I learned from that year a lot more than I probably did my freshman year. I was more in tune with what was going on. I understood what the defense was about a lot more, and I understood what the offense was doing a lot more. You know, so it was, it was a point in my career where I felt like I, I was actually in tune to what was actually going on. Your freshman year, you're kind of 
a deer in their headlights, like, oh my God, here, here comes a guy with the ball, I better tackle him, you know, you don't understand why or when, but uh, my second year was a year that I kind of almost put everything together, which led me to having a good second half of my uh, career at the Buffs. Before you get to that second part of your career, there's a coaching change that happens. Gary Barnett's fired. Dan Hawkins comes in. Um, how frustrating was that as a player? Yeah, you win a, a Big 12 North Championship, but things are kind of trending in a negative direction, and there's kind of that black cloud of the scandal still kind of hanging over the program. Were you guys okay with the coaching change, or was it frustrating? You know, anytime the range change hands, it's difficult for a lot of people. There's personalities that change. For all the coaches, there's people that just don't get along anymore, and there's animosity between players and coaches and players and players in general. Um, but so we, we did have a, a rough sophomore year. It was it was hard to come together as a team. It was hard to come together as as a unit and as whole and as a university, just because there was a lot of uh, split in there. A lot of people wanted Barnett. A lot of people were accepting Hawkins, and 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 that's tough. It's tough to put together a, a winning. Team and a and a winning um, yeah a winning school like that so we struggled a little bit but I I think as, as a whole for what was done and what was said and and for all the stuff that we've gone through between the scandal and the coaching change and and all that type of stuff I think we came together as a whole a lot better than we than it could have been it could have been a lot worse for sure. And you mentioned things kind of came together for you as a sophomore. As a junior, you come out and, and you take the next step. You're in second team all-conference honors. 137 tackles, which was the most by a buff linebacker in 10 years. Uh, what allowed you to take that next step? Uh, from going from freshman, kind of playing with deer in the headlights look, to sophomore year, understanding your responsibility, then to junior year to kind of bringing it all together. What was the key there? And that's exactly what it is, is bringing it all together. And Coach Cabal did a great job of, of understanding the, where I was at in my career and understanding that I, I got it now. He could turn me loose. He could blitz me. He could send me on. He could send me off the edge. He could use me for a lot of other things because I understood the basics of it now. And for, yeah, it took me two years. I'm, I'm not the brightest tool in the shape, but yes, it did take me two years to actually understand how an offense and a defense and a team, you know, works. And when that got put all together, it, it makes such a great player. You, you see a lot of these teams that a lot of these NFLs that try to force a quarterback too early or try to force a player that was good in college, force him into a role way too early, way too soon, and they struggle, and, and they ultimately fail. And Cabral noticed that, and he believes that it does take time for a person to, to, to come around. And when it did, and when it happened, he realized it, and he set me loose, and I was able to play freely and, and play openly, which is what allowed me to have all the tackles. I was talking with one of your former teammates, Abraham Wright, about that that season, um, and he had a lot of individual success. You had a lot of individual success, but in Dan Hawkins' first year, you guys win just two games. He was talking about it being bittersweet. Was it kind of a similar thing for you? It, it was a bittersweet season. You know, I for me, I'm a very black and white guy. We, we either win or we lose, and we lost. So it was a, it was a little bitter for me. For me, I want to do the best, the best that I possibly can for myself, my teammate, and everybody else. And especially for the fans, for for a fan base to go through that is not not fun. And, and so it it was more bitter than anything else for me, just because of basically what I saw the program went into. Was we went from something so good and something so rich to 
to struggling, and I didn't like that. That's not part of my how I operate, and and I was a part of that, so I felt responsible for it. I was a big part of it. I was a leader on the defense. I was a, a team captain. So at some point, you feel, you do feel responsible for it. And then uh, your senior season, uh, being a Butkus Award. Uh, finalist and consensus All-American Big 12 Defense Player of the Year, 160, uh, 160 tackles that year, two interceptions. Was it even another level you rose to that year? You talked about junior year coming together. What was it your senior year? And uh, this is so funny because I remember this conversation vividly. And it sticks in my head because it's something that I strive to achieve now. And that is you become so good that you have to start leading by example. You become this you, be, you basically become the guy on the pedestal for the defense and everyone looks up to and everyone um, wants to be like you. And at that point, it's either if you fail, the team fails with you or you, you strive and the team strives with you. And it's, it's part of that leadership deal. And Cabral said, this is it for you. You, you know, you are it. And you, as the team goes, you, or as you go, the team goes. And I took that as a challenge. And I wanted to be the best that I could be so the defense could be the best that they could be. And so I turned it on. I, I tried to play the best football, the best ball that I could possibly play. I played lights out every game that I could. And I did it for myself and I did it for the team around me. And more importantly, I did it for the fans, man. They deserve the best out of me. They deserve the absolute best out of me and everyone around me. And the only way to, to respect that and show that we appreciate the sport is to play our best. They're there every game, whether it's cold, windy, hot, cold, whatever it is, rainy. They're there for us, and we. The only way for us to show respect back to them is to play our butts off. And my senior year, I believe that's what they deserve for me and our defense. And I tried my best to be the best leader and the best person that I could. And, and the only way I could show that was to lead by example, and that's what I tried to do. And the fact that you're able to play in a bowl game your last year was that allow you to kind of leave with some some pride and, and, and especially following a two-win season. Yeah, you know, you, you get to kind of leave with your, your head held high a little bit that you had somewhat success. Is it what I wanted? Absolutely not. Not even close. I wanted the Big 12 championship. I wanted to, to go up on top. But, you know, it's it, it was a huge success for our team to overcome what we, we did the year before. And, you know, it was just good to have an extra game with, with my teammates and my, and my family, as I would call them. And, and you know, it was good for the fan base. We, they got to watch another game and watch us succeed. And so, was it bittersweet? Was it fun? Yeah. But at the same time, you know, I was really sad to go. Very sad to go. Folsom Field, when it's packed, has got 50,000 fans in it. But those fans don't get to see the behind the scenes of what it's like to be a college athlete. Uh, what is that like? What, do you have any funny stories of kind of things behind the scenes maybe that fans don't get to see? Um, you know, the, the thing that fans don't get to see is the hard work that goes into it. Not, not necessarily from the players or anything, but the coaches. Those guys devote their lives to these teams and, and to the scheme of what we're playing and to the team that we're playing. And ultimately, our success falls on them. They teach us, they show us, they coach us exactly what we need to do for the, for the team before. And once that's done, there's another week after that. There's 11 more after that. And so those guys are are the success. And as a student athlete, is it tough? Yeah, is there a lot of studying and a lot of hard work and that goes into it? Yeah. But at the same time, we're enjoying it. We're enjoying ourselves. We're doing what we do best. And and, and I appreciated the opportunity so much. It's, you know, the fans were great. The, the My teammates were great. The town was 
unbelievable and in the state of Colorado something that is is why I moved back it's such a loving caring awesome place that that brings out the best in me and brings out the best in people so I do appreciate everything this town and this city has done for me and you know I'm glad to be back you get that great senior season and then you get prepared for the NFL what was that offseason like uh, you hear some guys kind of liken it to a cattle call almost at the NFL combine and things like that what was that experience like for you um, like I said I go back to the competition with Brian Cabal and I remember these things because they mean a lot to me and he, he basically said enjoy the ride this is not something everyone gets to do and, and it's something that once it's done it's done and you want to you want it to be a good memory rather than a bad memory and so every every everything that I did leading up to the NFL, going from the college to the NFL, I just enjoyed. I worked out with a lot of good people. I had a great trainer, Lauren Lando, and he did a, a great job with me. And you know, I just I just had fun. It wasn't stressful. It wasn't anything that I was crazy worried about. It was just a time in my life I wanted to re remember, and I wanted to be something that I enjoy. Thinking back to it, and not something that's so stress stressful in my life. So even though it was. A little hectic and a little crazy at times. It's a memory I look back and I enjoy. I had fun. So, yeah. Where were you when the Detroit Lions selected you in the second round? I was. <laughs> I was actually just. This is a funny story. I was just telling the story. I was at my wife's home in Windsor, or not my wife's home. My wife's parents' home in Windsor, and we just went to the store. And my wife's family wanted a Hawaiian meal, so I went and bought a bunch of stuff and. We get out of the car and my wife drops uh, the teriyaki sauce or something like that. And then she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. So I was like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. We can figure out some way. But she wanted to go to the store and get it. So she went to the store and she was gone 15, 20 minutes. And within that 15 or 20 minutes, by golly, I got the call from Matt Millen and, and got drafted. And to this day, she feels horrible that she wasn't there when my name was called. And... You know. Did you not think you were going to get drafted that earlier? Uh, you know what? You just you go you go in it, just not giving a care. Okay. You know, and there's some aspect that thinks yes, but there's a lot of you that doesn't want to think yeah, just because you don't want to get yourself overexcited. And so when it when it happened, I was thrilled and happy and, and all this stuff. But it was a bummer that my wife wasn't there beside me when, it, when my name got called. So you go uh, to Detroit and have 31 tackles as a rookie, play a lot on special teams, and uh, they move you to outside linebacker, I believe, mm -hmm. and then uh, you, you continue to play, but then you had the, the knee injury. Was it three ligaments that, that you tore? Was it three years into your Three years career? in, ACL, MCL, PCL, wow. and basically dislocated my knee to a point that I just couldn't play anymore. I couldn't function, and I can... It was it was sad. It was a point in my life where I realized that my career is over and done with. And I look back in my career in the NFL with Detroit, and I'm such a, so appreciative of what they done for me and and what they gave me. And you know, it was just it was sad. It was a really really sad part because football's been part of my life for so long. And to have that one play change everything in my life, literally flip it upside down. Was, it was hard. It was really hard. Did you know when you went in for surgery this was most likely career ending, or did you have some aspirations on the other side to come back and play again? I, of course you have aspirations, and you want to come back and play, and you try your absolute best. And I rehabbed for a year and a half, and and I just I couldn't get my knee back to where it once was. I couldn't move lateral, laterally, and, 
and I had a bunch of knee pain and it always swelled up and you know it was just it was just an issue for me and I and me and my wife made a decision that said this is it you know this is this is a good time for me to step aside and say this I had a good career and, and basically that's that's how it ended and you have a good perspective on things now you're happy with your life is that make it much easier to kind of put that in the past? It is, it is. It comes a point in your life where you kind of have to start separating and 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 my wife did a good job with, with me and, and teaching me and showing me that life goes on, you know. Football's in the past and we have a kid now, we have another one on the way. I have a beautiful wife and, and that's my life now and that's what I should be appreciative for. And, I should be thankful to had what I had and, and and never take it for granted. But I'm in a different stage in my life. I appreciate I appreciate everything that football has done for me. But I'm looking forward to what life has to offer to me now, and, and that's being a father and being a great firefighter and and being a, a good citizen to this country and this community. When people hear that you played in the NFL now, uh, or people recognize you from your time at CU, do you enjoy that, or is it a little bit awkward in a sense? Because, like you said, you have to kind of separate it at some point. You know, at some point you enjoy it because there's a sense that um, you impacted someone, or or you made someone. You there's a Buff fan out there that you impacted, and so there's a sense of oh, cool, you know, I did something. But at the same time, you're like, yeah, that was in the past. But hey, look, I got a pretty daughter and. Uh, you know, and, and, and a good life, and so I try to to stray to stray away from the whole football conversation, and all this stuff, because life goes on, and I'm in a good place now, and and I love everything about my life, and the people around me are awesome. So, you know, I'm in a different stage for sure. You were a part of the last CU team that played in the bowl game. It's, it's kind of crazy to think that. Obviously, the Buffs have struggled since you left there. Have you kept a close eye on their program? Do, do, do you have any idea, you know, why things kind of went south after you left? Mm -hmm. You know, as far as why things went south, I have no idea. I'm not part of the team. I don't know the team dynamics or, and what what went on there. And, and uh, the good thing is, is we have a bright future ahead of us. We got a good, great coach, a great group of guys, and I keep looking at all the recruits that we're getting, and and I'm excited. You know, there's a point in my in the last three years where I was just nodding my head in, in disbelief and and you know the firing of coaches and the hiring of coaches and all this stuff but I feel like I finally feel like she is in a great great place and with the new AD and the new head coach and and how the new recruiting system and how they're doing things and just their mode of operation I'm excited for man and everybody else should and I think this, this is the the point in the buffs in the buff story that we should be showing the most support and the most love and and, and just being there for them. This is when they need us the most. And I think if we're out there hollering and, and hooting and, and giving them the, the, the utmost respect for what they do, I think it'll show way more on the field than we think. Now, Addison Gillum had some injuries this past season as a sophomore. Did you get, get a chance to watch him at all when he was a freshman All-American? What were kind of your thoughts? Is it fun as a former linebacker to see a guy like that? Yeah, it's, it's really fun to watch someone play like that. He, in, in some ways, not just a number, but he reminds me of, of how I played was just go get the ball. You know, it doesn't matter who's in front of you, who's behind you, go get the ball. And I love a player like that with instinct and with with the courage to just go. And, you know, hats off to him, man. He he's in a he's in a um, he's in a good place. He had some injuries, but man, he he does 100% remind me a little bit of, of 
of um, he's definitely a lot bigger and a lot stronger and a lot faster than I was, but he reminds me of my instincts and how I ran, how I got to the ball. So. You see all these Pac-12 offenses now spreading it out. Are you glad that you played when you did in the Big 12 uh, versus now when defenses almost seem to be kind of at a disadvantage out there? Oh yeah, you know it's the way the way calls are going and and the way offenses are run. I am 100% so glad that I played in the era that I did where it was run first, pass second, or 50-50 at, at most. And now it's 70, 80 passes a game. And, man, that w those games would be so long and, and it's so hard to defend and all the things that offenses can do. And it's incredible. It blows my mind. And, you know, I'm four or five years removed from, from football, and it's the way it changed still blows my mind. And, uh, hats off to, to the defense. I know it's tough, and I know they're getting better. But, man, they're, they're, a lot of these games are put into a, a tough – tough spot with how these offenses operate now and before I let you go just one more question if you were talking to a young linebacker coming up right now maybe entering CU as a freshman right now what what advice would you give to him enjoy yourself enjoy the moment because once you start having fun things start to come things start to fall into place once you're having fun with yourself with your teammates you make other people have fun you bring the best out of people you bring the best out of yourself and I, there's not a game that I, I can remember where I didn't have fun. And, and it just it brought the best as a player, as a person out of me. And it's contagious. If you're having fun, so is everyone else. So if you're a freshman out there, or whether it's football, basketball, whatever it is, have fun because it does end. There could be one play that ends it all. And truly, that is your last play. So please, everyone out there, have fun and doing what you do best, man. I really appreciate you kind of reliving some of these days with us. I know Colorado fans enjoyed watching you as a player. Thanks, Jordan. Really no, appreciate it. No problem, brother.